0: This morning, I have the difficult task of covering a passage that is probably familiar to most. And uh, anytime a a preacher decides to do that, uh, it's always dangerous because... Uh, once you find out that I'm covering Psalm 23, you might go, well, I've heard that sermon before and uh, I've already lost you. Okay, Or maybe you open your Bible to Psalm 23 and you spend time looking at maybe your favorite pastor who's ever or preacher who's ever uh, spoken on Psalm 23. I want you to see this morning that uh, although this is a familiar text and probably you're not going to walk away with just some new concept or new thought, There's a reason why we should cover and review passages like this that bring comfort to our souls, even though we think that we know it well. I mean, just thinking about Psalm 23, if we had time to sort of uh, give everybody an opportunity to give a testimony, I'm sure that you could pinpoint times in your very life in which a passage like Psalm 23, maybe that very passage— has been a benefit to your soul because of the difficulty you've been walking through. I mean, maybe it's in the midst of grief, right? Maybe it's in the midst of loss. Maybe it's in the midst of sorrow. And you remember the words of Psalm 23, and they flood over you, and and you can pinpoint that time where that's occurred in your life. As Stephanie mentioned, one of our our very own uh, brother, Jim Nace, went to be with the Lord uh, even this week. And so we want to pray for Jackie and for the Nace family in the midst of that, but also that they would have sorrow and grief, but also that that might be kindled with the hope of the gospel of what it is. And so thinking about this psalm, thinking about that grief also, I don't know about you, but um, all of these testimonies are part of my life story, but I've seen the bank account when I was jobless get down all the way to the single digits, right? And I be- I begin to panic, right? Uh, I begin to wonder, okay, well, Lord, I know what you say, but am I really trusting in the moment? Or maybe I'm waiting for the Lord's direction on a particular uh, step of faith that I'm supposed to be taking. Lord, are you really going to be with me in a challenging time as that? All of these are testimonies of my own walk, With the Lord. And if we had time, I'm sure that you could add to those. But this is where reminding ourselves of the character of God from a passage that we might know extremely well, like Psalm 23, is so important for us. Because repetition is what brings understanding, and repetition is what causes us to say, Do I truly believe and have I I truly committed my life in this way? I was thinking about this concept of repetition. And one of the things I always wondered about in in high school, right, elementary school, what do you take almost every year? At least for me, and now I'm from Alabama, right? And you might say, you never learned it in the first place. But English grammar, English grammar, right? Every year I was taking English grammar, And guess what? It wasn't until I took a foreign language that I really began to understand the difference between a participle and a gerund. Now, there's no test today, right? What's a preposition? All these things that I had learned, but guess what? It was the repetition over and over and over again. Why does a professional baseball player, right, take batting practice? I mean, they're getting paid lots of money to hit a little ball, right? Right? And they've done it over and over again. So why take batting practice? Because it builds that muscle memory that we go back to in the midst of situations where for a professional baseball player, maybe they're in a slump, right? Reminding themselves how they're supposed to approach the plate and approach the ball. Well, guess what? In our faith walk, we also need these reminders. We need these reminders to... Tell our soul, remind our soul of who God is, even in situations and circumstances where we might begin to question, is he truly there? Does he truly know what's going on in my life? We could recite, and we will here in a second. It'll be up on the screen, so don't get panicked, Psalm 23. But the question that I have for you today is not necessarily, can you recite it, but can you live it? Because we're going to be talking about having absolute confidence in our Lord. Absolute confidence no matter what the life situation arises. And as I was thinking about the the concept of the shepherd and the sheep, a friend of mine sent me a, a video this week. And not knowing that I was going to be covering this passage, I didn't even know I was going to be covering this passage. But when I found out from Pastor Ryan... Right, I went, wow! God provided a sermon illustration. I want you to look up here at the screen on this video. Right? This little lamb is caught right in this, in this trench, and then you see this little boy, this shepherd, pulling him out, and then you go, way to go! And then, back! <laughs> right? And, and that, that poor little lamb, right, is still there, right? And And just so that you know, uh, slow-mo, oh, just so that you know, in this psalm that we'll be looking at, we're compared to not the shepherd, but to the sheep. Now, I I don't know about you. I don't know about your life. I can tell you about mine. Oftentimes, I feel as though sometimes I'm going from ditch to ditch. And I begin to ask, is the progress? Lord, what, what are you doing in the midst of the situation that's coming to my life? Maybe because of my own choices or maybe just because we live in a fallen world. Right? We need to remember in the midst of whatever life situation we're in that we can have absolute confidence in the Lord because of his nature and his character. If you would stand with me, uh, you're going to see Psalm 23 up on the screen. I would like for us to recite this together. If, uh, if you know it in a different version, feel free to recite it in, in that version. That's okay. But I thought we might just let God's word from one another spill over us. So let us read this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You may be seated. This morning, I want us to see sort of the big idea of the sermon this morning is this. Being in covenant relationship with Yahweh, the Lord, enables absolute confidence in the midst of every life circumstance. I'm going to read that again. Being in a covenant relationship with the Lord Enables absolute confidence in the midst of whatever life situation we're in. And the psalmist David lets us know this. Look, look here with me at Psalm 23. We find at the very beginning a psalm of David, a psalm by David. Now, take note if you have your copy of God's word, you'll see something in italics. It could be uh, uh, worded differently, but mine says, The Lord, the psalmist shepherd and that's in italics but then you jump down and it says a psalm of David and that is not in italics the translation is telling us that where the title in italics is not found in the actual Hebrew text of the Bible this phrase a psalm of David actually is now that's important because we realize this David this David was a shepherd himself This David understood the vocational task, the vocational calling that he had to care for the sheep. And he understood just how difficult that could be. Sheep can wander away. Sheep can find themselves quickly in danger, even as we saw in the video. And so the shepherd must always be on the alert for what might be around the corner or what the sheep might be getting into. A sheep can be so concerned about the next little clump of grass that they'll want to fill their, fill their stomach with that they can pursue it to their own detriment. And sheep encounter predators. And when they encounter these predators, they have no fight or flight reflex. And rather than scattering themselves when they come into contact with one of these predators, guess what they do? Clump together. together. Just make it much more easier for this predator to take one or all of them. They huddle together. So therefore, a shepherd, a good shepherd, has to be vigilant. Vigilant about the predators that are around. Vigilant about any dangers that might be presenting themselves. David tells us that he even had to kill lions and bears, right? In his vocation as a shepherd. Being a shepherd's not a nine-to-five job. In fact, in the morning, what a shepherd has to do is they rise up early and the shepherd will lead the flock from the sheepfold to the places where they would go and graze and where they would water. And following this period of time, the flock would typically then be led to a shaded or a cooled place where they would lie down at midday for several hours. Now, some of you are thinking, sheep lie down for several hours. I'd love to do that, right? Here, we find in this passage, right, the the shepherd's great care, watching over them all the way from the day, from the morning, all the way through the midday, caring for them throughout the time. But then the shepherd's task is still not done. For the shepherd guides them back to the sheepfold, where at night he provides protection, and he cares for those who are sick and those who are injured keeping watch over them, even holding his rod over the fence of the sheep gate so that as they uh, touch his rod, he can count them, making sure that he has every one that belongs to him. The life of the shepherd's ongoing. Totally dependent, the sheep are, upon the shepherd. Utilizing this imagery that David understood Full well, and maybe to a degree that even we don't understand as well as David, David lets us know here that the Lord is his shepherd. Note here, David says the Lord is, look at this personal pronoun, my shepherd. He is my shepherd. Therefore, the Lord is the one who has taken upon himself the demanding task of supervision for his sheep. And this leads David to this next statement, I shall not want. I will not, I do not enter into a state of lacking, a state that is lacking, a state of wantedness. Now, We know that this doesn't mean that we receive everything that we want, right? Some of our, uh, uh, you know, I I have four kids. The wanters get turned on in my house often, right? I want this. I want that. I want this. That's not what David is talking about. David's talking about the needs that we have. I'm never in a state where I am lacking. And David provides for us here three reasons for his absolute confidence in the Lord. Three reasons for his absolute confidence, trust in the Lord, no matter the life situation. The first one is this, the Lord's provision. Look at verse 2. David writes, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. As we've seen, a shepherd's task involved feeding and watering the flock. This would be a little bit more easy during the spring months when there was lots of rain in Israel. But during the winter months, water and lush locations like what David's talking about here are lacking. Therefore, the experience of the shepherd is so important or else his entire flock might encounter great uh, trouble and so might even be lost and so the experience of the shepherd the knowledge of the shepherd is so important noting here as David says not only does he lead me not only does he make me rest but note in these green pastures these lush pastures I don't know about you but One of my favorite things to do is if I find a a really beautiful pasture, oftentimes the the grass is just so thick, it sort of feels like you're walking on air or on carpet, right? That's the imagery that David is presenting here to us. This is not just some pasture. No, this this is lush fields. And not only does it provide nourishment, but also... The Lord provides rest as a good shepherd here. Even leading me to these quiet waters, the, the shepherd would be known to lay down his staff and create a little tributary, maybe in some, some fast running water, in order that the sheep might have some quiet water to drink by because the sheep are often scared by this, even the, the noise of a running stream. And so the shepherd takes great care to provide this nourishment and this rest. But I want you to see, David does not just stop at the physical provision that the shepherd provides. He doesn't just note that uh, it is the sustenance of the green pastures or the quiet waters. Note what he says in verse 3. He restores my soul. He restores, returns the vitality of life that might have been lost at some point. He brings this new life within me. And although that luscious green grass or that pure drinking water might provide nourishment, David understands that these are just secondary causes and that the primary cause of where this nourishment is coming from, this provision is coming from, is from Yahweh himself, from God himself providing this. I don't know where you are or how you walked in today, but maybe you're struggling, right? Financially, emotionally, physically, and wondering, can the good shepherd provide? I want to echo what David says. We can have absolute confidence in the Lord for his provision because of who he is. The second reason That David shares with us that we can have this absolute confidence is because not just of his provision over us, but also his protective care over us. Look at the rest of verse 3. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Note here, as a skilled shepherd, David understands that the job of the shepherd is to lead the flock into right paths. The, the, job, or the, the task of the shepherd is not to direct them into dangerous paths. He's, he's seeking to note that uh, the shepherd is responsible not to harm the flock, but to ultimately care for their well-being. And here the Lord's protective care is seen as belonging to those that he's watching over. And it is based on, look at this, he guides me in paths of righteousness for what? for his namesake, for his character, for his attributes. Who he is, who God is, is what we can cling to in the midst of changing circumstances. Although life might present us with something that we had no idea was coming our way, guess who knew? The one true and living God. For he knows the end from the beginning and everything in between. Just because we find ourselves powerless in a situation that we encounter, guess what? He is omnipotent, all-powerful. These are the attributes and the characteristics of our God that should overwhelm us and flow over us in the midst of thinking about Um, The paths in which he leads us in these right paths. And the Lord's character never changes. Therefore, no matter the life situation we find ourselves in, he he is applying his exemplary care over us. Now that's hard to, or that's easy to say. That's hard to live. Acknowledging that his providential care, no matter what situation we're walking in in life, He is still as much caring and protecting for us and providing for us as if it were those days in which it seems that everything is going well. Look with me at verse 4. David writes, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, literally the valley of deepest darkness... Here, this valley of deep darkness became a folk description for death. And therefore, we find the shadow of death here. But I want you to note something in the passage. Look at verse 2. Look at this shepherd, what the shepherd's doing. He makes me lie down. He leads me beside. He restores me. He guides me. Look at verse 4. Wow, I'm walking through the valley of deepest darkness. And it appears as though the Lord is nowhere to be found. My shepherd's not there. I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels as though, Lord, where are you in the midst of the circumstance? Where are you when I'm in the the deepest darkness that I can imagine? You know, oftentimes when we're in the dark, our pupils adjust and let in more light and we're able to see. But have you ever been in the deepest darkness before? I remember being in Israel, and I was walking through Hezekiah's Tunnel. It's this this amazing tunnel that runs to Jerusalem, and um, it was hewn out, right? Uh, they, They dug it out. It's just amazing to think that they were able to do that with all the sophisticated technology that we have today. And as we were in there, we were told to turn off our headlights. And that might be the first time I've ever experienced true darkness. I held my hand up. I could not see it. Right? My, light, or my eyes could not adjust to light because there was none coming. Have you ever been in a situation that just seemed like the deepest of darkness? And you begin to wonder, where are you, Lord? Where is my shepherd? This is when I need my shepherd. And my shepherd, as it said, leads me in right paths. So what am I to do in the midst of this? Look what David says even though I walk through the valley of deepest darkness, I still fear no evil. I fear no harm. Why? Because you are with me. You are with me. I have a question. When there are thunderstorms, right, and the clouds are really heavy and and dark, and you walk outside and you look up, Do you see the sun? No. Does that mean the sun's not there? No. How do you know? Well, because God holds all things together by the word of his power. But you saw the sun before the thunderstorm, right? And you see the sun after the thunderstorm. And although your present circumstance might not allow you to see the sun presently, you're still trusting. In the God who holds all things together, that the sun's still there. When we walk through the valley of deepest darkness, although we might go, I don't see, I cannot see, I cannot see my hand in front of my face, I don't see the shepherd's great care for me, like I won't. We can still trust that the God who was there before that circumstance is the same God who will be there after the circumstance. And guess what? Because he's unchanging, he's the same in the middle of our circumstance. That doesn't mean that it takes away all the feelings and all the struggle of being in that valley of deepest darkness, but yet we're not there alone. Even as David says, for you are with me. From this, David transitions probably out of this shepherd imagery to more of a a host and he talks about not just having absolute confidence in the Lord for his provision and protection, but also the Lord's blessing providing this basis for absolute confidence. Note here in verse 5. David says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil, my cup, overflows now when you invite someone over to your house to show hospitality oftentimes what happens is you find the best dish that you can offer right and you and you offer that that's the one that you're going to provide and so uh, you're you're doing your best to uh, providing your best for them in the ancient near east that's true but there's also a part of ancient Near East hospitality that maybe doesn't transfer over as much to us today. And it's this, when a guest or a visitor comes into your house in the ancient Near East, you are responsible as the host for providing protection for them. It's as though they have come under your watch care and therefore you will defend them right? Just as you would anybody else in your family, just as you would defend yourself. And here, David says that the Lord, the shepherd, has prepared this table before him, but note, it's in the presence of his enemies. The enemies aren't removed. It appears as though the enemies know exactly where David is, but yet they cannot get to him. Why? Because he is under the protective hand of God, the shepherd himself. David, as this honored guest, under this protection of the one, of the host that he is with, he also has his head anointed with oil. This is a sign of expression of joy. In the ancient world, when someone would a anoint their face with oil, it meant that they were, they were joyful or rejoicing. And when that was removed, they were in the state of mourning. And here David says, uh, you anoint my head with oil. So I, I'm, I'm encountering this joy that is not based upon the enemies not being present, but joy in the midst of the enemies being there. And then he says, my cup overflows. I was trying to think of an illustration for this. This is what came to mind. I love a nice, cold Coca-Cola. Just love it. We call everything in Alabama, we call everything Coke, right? It doesn't matter what it is. It's Coke. Give me a Coke. I love a Coke that has just the right amount of ice. And then what happens? You pour it in, and then it begins to fizzle, right? Some of you are getting thirsty. It begins to fizzle up right? And do you just do that one time? Uh, What do you do? You let all the fizz go away, and then what? You pour some more, and you want to get as much of that into the glass as possible. Note this about the Lord's blessing of David. Does he say that the Lord just fills up the cup of blessing to the rim? What does he say? My cup is overflowing. The Lord's blessing is seen in the life of David. But but the enemies are there, David. But I'm walking through the valley of deepest darkness, David. Yes. How can you say that the Lord is blessing me when I'm walking through such difficult trials and tests? There's an old hymn that says, count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done Count your many blessings, name them one by one. When we're in the midst of deepest darkness, when we're in the presence of our enemies, oftentimes it's like we're in that thunderstorm and we're wondering, where are you, Lord? But yet, remembering in faith, he was there before, thereafter, he's there in the midst of it. We can trust him that even though we might not understand. He is still a God who's in control of that. And we can count the blessings that he has given us. Look at verse 6. After noting this absolute confidence that he has in the Lord, both by his provision, protection, and blessing, David shares with us, some more. And it's a very important question I want to ask here after we look at verse 6. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So if the Lord's provision, protection, and blessing are the things that can give us absolute confidence, absolute trust in Him, no matter life's situation— We have to ask the question, what allows David the privilege to relate to the Lord in this manner? What allows us to relate to the Lord in this manner? Is it that we can somehow earn the Lord's favor by doing hard work? Is it that we can somehow earn the Lord's favor by giving something to Him? By obtaining this privilege through through purchase? David lets us know that that's not the case. David no longer talks about the past, no longer thinks even about the present, but he sets his mind on the future. David says, for certain goodness and mercy or loving kindness will follow me for how long? All the days of my life. And although this is a a little bit of an awkward illustration talking about God's characteristics because his mercy and his goodness are, are two characters of his name, just as David has relied upon in the past. Although this is, might be an awkward illustration, but this is what came to my mind. This is a term of pursuit. Goodness and mercy pursue David. Have you ever seen on maybe TV one of these police dogs that's unleashed on someone, right? Right? What does that dog do? It pursues that person until it's found them. Here, goodness and mercy are pursuing David for all the days of his life. But it's not just for the days of his life. Look, it goes even further than that. David says that there is this loving kindness, this covenant-keeping kindness that God shows towards him. And this is tied up even in the very name of the Lord. Look here at your your scripture if you have that. It is the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. This is the covenant-keeping name of God. The reason why David can have confidence in this God is because he he lives in covenant with this God not because of what he can provide for God, but what God provides for him. He is in this covenanted relationship with the one true and living God, and because of this relationship, which is coupled to the fact that God cannot lie, that allows David to declare with certainty, absolute confidence, that he will never enter into this lack the state of lack, the state of wantedness. In accordance with this certainty, David also looks even further in the future as he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just as Abraham, and it tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, longed for this eternal dwelling place, So David longed for this eternal dwelling place where everything that he hoped in, placed his faith in, his trust in about who Yahweh was would be revealed at the end of the consummated time. So brother and sister, friend, maybe you're here and maybe you're wondering how, how can I have this absolute confidence certainty if you don't have a covenant relationship with the one true and living god then you can't have this absolute certainty you can't have this absolute trust this absolute confidence in his provision protection and blessing and this this covenant relationship it doesn't come by the works that we're able to do to somehow earn this relationship No, it's that God pursues us. And this is the beauty of the gospel. Because he loved us first, we can now love him. And because of his great love for us, if we would turn from our sin, that is following after our own way, choosing our own way rather than God's way, which we've all done, if we'll turn from that, Believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, and believe in the rescue plan that that was formed by the Godhead from before the foundation of the world that the Son would give His life for us who are sinners. That if we would believe in, trust in, cling to Him and Him alone in faith, then we would know about this covenanted relationship and we would be a part of his sheep, his sheepfold that he cares for and he provides for. So if you've never done that, I'd encourage you that today would be a great day to know this good shepherd. In fact, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. Some of us this morning We know about this rescue plan. We're placing our faith and trust absolutely in that and that alone, not in any works of ourself. But yet, maybe you're walking through the valley of deepest darkness. Maybe you're coming out of the valley of deepest darkness. Maybe you don't even know it, but you're about to enter into the valley of deepest darkness. Whatever the situation is, I want to encourage you by the words that David has shared here that wherever you are, you can have absolute confidence in the Lord because of his nature, his character, who he is, his great love and care, compassion, provision, protection, and blessing for you. It's easy to recite Psalm 23. It's much harder to live in the midst of deepest darkness, still trusting with absolute confidence that Yahweh still provides. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we come before you. Lord, I thank you so much that you would give us a passage of Scripture like Psalm 23 a passage of scripture that feeds our soul. Lord, even as David proclaims, You are the shepherd, you are my shepherd, Lord, you care for us. Lord, I pray that whatever situation each and every one of us find ourselves in, Lord, maybe we don't know the good shepherd, Lord, would you work in our hearts to reveal our own sin, the beauty of your rescue plan? Lord, that you would use your word, Lord, by your spirit to go forth. Lord, to show us the, the beauty of who you are. Lord, I pray, Lord, for those who might be in the midst of walking of this valley of deep darkness. Lord, maybe even concerned about where the next provision or protection or blessing would come from. Lord, I pray that like David, Lord, we might say, We have absolute confidence, not in who we are, but in who you are. Let us set our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, as we long for your return and the day in which you'll restore all things to yourself, where we will dwell with you forever. These things I pray in your name. Amen.